So in this episode, talking to Alice, and I think this will really resonate if you've ever felt like you didn't fit in, not sure how to find your way in the world, or told like, oh, you shouldn't do that, or you shouldn't be like this, and and wrestle with how to show up. Alice talks so openly, beautifully, powerfully about her experience and how she's navigated that and is navigating that. Um, really hope you enjoy this episode. Okay, Alice, so thank you so much for joining this episode of What's Your Work? Great to have you on the show. Thank you very much. Um, as you know, the title is What's Your Work? So we're going to be talking about what you see as your work in the world, talking about maybe what you see as your work on yourself, exploring that, seeing where that goes. Um, and I've sort of started by or got into a habit of introducing people by the experience I have of them. And so some people I know them well, some people less well. So we've met sort of once face-to-face in a work context. I've seen you kind of talking in other contexts. So, um, and I would say, like, for people who haven't met you, I would say you've got a strong energy. Is that is that a fair? <laughs> that has been said, yes. <laughs> It has been said. And, and I'm going to add to that because that's quite ambiguous, but it's a lovely energy, right? At least I experience it that way. It's really a sort of positive, uh, ebullient, if I can use that word. Um, at least for me, it comes up with like a sense of, of positivity, possibility, and energy, which I think is, yeah, I, I think is sorely needed. We'd love you to have more of in the world. So that's that's my... First, go at, at describing my experience of you. How, how does oh, that? Oh, that's fit? lovely. Thank you. I think it's yeah, it's it's really interesting because I'm, I'm I'm sure we'll we'll come onto this, but I you know I'm I'm the kind of person where a, a lot of my life I've been told that I'm you know too much, too loud, too intense, too too energetic. You know, like calm down, quite like that. And and I think a huge part of like my journey professionally and personally has been around how do I harness my energy in a way that, you know, isn't, you know, that that is helpful and that is positive. Because I think that for for people like me who are very, very strong extroverts, it can, so, you know, it's, it's very evident whatever emotional state you're in. And, you know, I just kind of like, if I'm angry, it's like, pow, I project that into the room. If I'm positive, it's like, pow, I project that into the room. And I'm I'm aware that my energy is very strong and I think a, a big part of my journey has been awareness of how strong that energy is <laughs> and how to manage it. Mm. Yeah, so it's a it's a power if we want to put it that way and it's got a shadow mm. side as also or a side that's you know maybe yeah can can be mm. impactful in a way that maybe you don't want or not intending or don't realize. Yeah. How would you I mean for people listening what how would you describe what your work is at a at a sort of um I don't say transactional <laughs> level, but yeah, what would be good for people to know about yeah, the world of work that you're in? And then yeah. we can talk more about you know, maybe at a deeper level. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I have worked uh, in one capacity or another in in marketing for my my entire career, so since I left university. And that was never the intention. The intention was to be a journalist, um, which was my kind of dream through my teens. I did so much work experience. Um, and then I, I finished my journalism qualification right in the middle of the 2009 recession. And that meant that 
you know, there were no jobs, like local papers were closing, they were cutting back, they were streamlining, there was no capacity for paid work, people didn't want to take on interns. So I really quickly had to look at where my skills could be kind of shifted. Um, And, you know, in terms of communication, messages, writing, it, it was marketing that I ended up going into um, in both events and then product and service marketing. Um, and so that has that has been my my work on a on a transactional level. Um, and then five years ago, uh, I co-founded the Joyful uh, with my business partner Sophie Turton. Um, after both of us were working in marketing agencies and just just spotting that the agency model just didn't didn't really bring us any joy either of us were working within you know it was very much like you know ROI you know how do you know oh fine you're doing that but like how much money is, is it going to make me and you know that wasn't the type of marketing I really enjoyed like I I loved doing really creative, really impactful, purposeful campaigns. And it, and it kind of felt like in the agency world, those opportunities came around very, very rarely. Um, and so when I left my job, it, I, I, said to my, I said to my manager, like, I'm leaving because there's no joy in anything I do anymore. Um, and then that turned into the joyful after meeting Sophie and, and finding we were, we were aligned. So so at the Joyful, we are we are a brand and, and digital marketing agency. But the distinction for us is that we work with businesses who are really purpose driven, and by that we mean they are they're not only looking to sell a product or service, but they are looking through you know to use the power of their platform to make real change in the world, in an industry, to communities. So, you know, that could be through CSR, through charitable giving. It could be through, you know, using their marketing budget to actually run campaigns on behalf of a community or cause that's associated with their product. So that it's not just around how do we use our marketing or how do we use social media or email or or content to, to find more customers. It's around how do we use our power and our platform and our and our profit as a brand to affect real change to something that we really care about so that our clients and our customers know that in working with us, they are directly supporting these values, these causes and this change that they also care really passionately about. And, and that for us is what brings us joy when it comes to, to marketing. It's about seeing the impact beyond you know the business growth and the metrics it's about seeing the impact on customers on communities who are receiving those messages or being part of of shaping them hmm. so i can feel your energy <laughs> as you're talking about it powerful what so if, so if a, if a business is listening going alice that sounds lovely yeah. like we you know we'd like to do that too and then the kind of there's a but coming in their question, which is, but we need to focus on the core business first. Like we need to make the money first. Like, will you help us do that? And then, like, how do you see the connection between those two? And I'm making an artificial yeah. distinction, almost sort of deliberately. But what's yeah? How, how do you what do you say to that? So, so for so in in terms of those conversations, it's always around if you are just focusing on selling your product, on selling your service 
then there is absolutely nothing in your messaging that is going to stink distinguish you from any other of your direct competitors out there because they're all offering the same services with the same functions with the same benefits and so what really matters is thinking audience first in terms of what is the impact that i want to have on my direct audience before you start thinking about the wider communities so it's thinking in terms of okay what is when i deliver this product or service when we deliver this product or service in our unique special distinct patented trademarked whatever way what is the impact on our audience therefore how does the content that we create around our products or service demonstrate the importance of these values, of our approach, of our way of doing things? And, you know, instead of writing a blog post around like, here is, you know, here's how to use our service or here's five brilliant things about our product. It's thinking, OK, with my content, how can I add value to my audience in terms of can I interview someone who is like an expert in this area who can give them really valuable advice? Can we demonstrate our expertise by doing a, you know, like a thought leadership post on an issue within our industry with a really powerful call, you know, call to action for, for other people to join us in, in impacting a change? You know, how do we, can we give our customers a, a platform so, you know, I've I've got a client where I've, you know, worked with them on and off for, for many, many years. And the entire marketing strategy that, that we created for them was, you know, the, the nub of it was we have this really niche group of customers. And, you know, we are actually really trying to do do good by them in terms of our product, because, you know, it is the best value you can get on the market. But, you know, they're not going to believe that. But at the root of that, at the root of wanting to make money by providing the best value um, product, at the root of it is really, really wanting to be able to help our customers to do their job better. So then why don't we use our marketing to help our customers do their job better, which is the same function as the product but instead, we're giving them a platform. We're allowing them to explore through our blog. We're giving them a space to share knowledge and form a community. And, you know, that that we set that blog up five years ago. And this year, it surpassed a quarter of a million views. Because, you know, then that's gone up by like 50,000 views every single year because we're building a community. And as a result, their profits and, and their growth has followed the same trajectory but we haven't even been focusing on that with their marketing. So it's, it's all interconnected. Mm. And, and it's all around, you know, I am, a, I am a business, I am a brand who understands my audience, understands their challenges, and, you know, want to put my money where my mouth is in terms of, yeah, I'm creating a product that helps, but I'm going to also do all this other stuff that helps them. And that's what we call marketing. Whereas... You know that it's it's like a product in itself that that helps building helps in building out that brand into something people want to do business with, want to be associated with. Love it, very yeah, powerful description. Really makes sense. So in in sort of aligned with that, I hope this is not too much of a a kind of <laughs> forced connection. So thinking about my audience and listening to you, right? There's these inflection moments in in people's lives and one is leaving a job yeah. right which a lot of people find really hard mm -hmm. 
even when it's clear, like, hey, this is not necessarily the right place for me, to step out of that can be hard. Obviously, a lot of fear of the unknown, what's going to happen? Am I going to get another job? Is that the right decision? So sounded like you left that job, hadn't met your business partner at that time. Um, so can you talk us through a little bit more that, that, yeah, what, how did, how did you come to actually leave? So, so I think for me, it was a case of, I, you know, I was never really a good fit for that organization. And ever since I started there, I'd been every day, like waking up and going into work and forcing myself to be someone I wasn't to fit in with the company culture because it felt that every time I, you know, let my real personality show, I was told I was too much. It wasn't appropriate. I shouldn't do it like that. I should, so, so it felt like every day was a, a battle. And, and I think so, so one factor was this increasing desire to be like, look, I, c- I can see so clearly another way of doing this. And everyone every day is telling me that I'm wrong. But I want to see if I am right. And I want to see if there is another way that is different to what all these people are telling me. So there was that that desire that was was building. Um, and I think, you know, I, I'd been in a really unique position um, in that one of my first ever jobs um, was as the events coordinator for the Brighton and Hove Chamber of Commerce. And before that, it was employer liaison for the Career Centre with with Sussex Uni to to help programme events for students. So very, very early in my career, you know, I was this like ball of energy, like 20 something, just making all of these connections, getting to know so many entrepreneurs within the city that I built up these connections and I knew so, so many people that were like five years ahead of me, 10 years ahead of me, even 20 years ahead of me in terms of the business journey that I knew I wanted to follow. So I had some incredible role models. And and I felt that Mm. when I, you know, when I did quit my job and, and step into my own business, which I always sort of said I wanted to do from, from the time I was working for the chamber, I knew I would have a support network around me. That, so I think, you know, that that was really important to me and that I knew I wasn't doing it on my own. Um, so, you know, all, all of this was building in terms of dissatisfaction at work. And and then it, it just it reached a point where I wasn't even enjoying the work I was doing. It was it was so far removed in terms of being like strategic and advisory. And, you know, we're talking like massive budgets, but impacting a tiny, tiny parts of massive corporations. And I just was like, you know what, I, I miss the days when I was working directly with founders, you know, really creative, passionate founders who, you know, would, would really kind of jump in on this energy and, and, and Mm. really be up for doing things creatively and differently. So, so I, I quit my job and I quit probably about six months after I should have done um but I think the the biggest the biggest thing for me wasn't really around like fear of I don't think I can do it because I think I always did think I could do it I think it was around like what if I quit with all of this like confidence 
you know, having given it all of this, like, yeah, I'm going to do it. And, it's, and I know, my, and, and I fall flat on my face and people are going to judge me from walking away from, you know, like I, I always was like, you know, once I kind of started on that like career ladder, I was like, I'm going to have director in my job title by the time I'm 30 and I'm going to be doing this, this and that. And then I got it. I got it all when I was 29. And I was just like, I am bloody miserable. And and so there was a real like ego thing. There was a real pride thing for me to get around in terms of this is what I said I wanted. And I've got what I said I wanted. <laughs> and now I'm just going to walk away from it like less than six months after I got it. And, you know, people are going to think that I'm mad. And, you know, then there's also like, oh, I'm coming up for 30 and I've got like no savings. And I've, you know, and and like, what, is this the wrong time? And then it was, you know, well, if you don't do it now, like, when are you going to do it? Like, the, the longer you carry on, the harder it's going to be. So I just, on my 30th birthday, I just handed my notice in. I didn't even know I was going to do it when I walked into work. Just after about an hour, I was like, it's like a switch in my brain was just like, you are a 30 year old woman and every day you're miserable. Like, come on, like you can do better than this. And, and so I did, and I didn't have any thought of what I was going to do. Um, and then, so yeah, woke up on the 1st of January, 2017, no business, no employment, just like, well, what do we do now? (laughs) And five and a half years later, here we are. Hmm. Amazing. Thank you for sharing that. And so I'm wondering, what did you do? Because it's because it is a you know I've been through that exact not well maybe I, I had actually kind of the opposite experience in a bizarre way, which was I was in a job that was so amazing, mm. and I was treated so well, and it was it was just an incredible opportunity, and it was a lovely, lovely company. And I know it's going to sound ridiculous, but I almost panicked because I'd, I'd reached more or less the top of where I could get to within this, with this, you know, it was a relatively small company. And it was an amazing position, but I was like, oh my gosh, if I'm doing, you know, if I stay at this job, I'm not, mm. you know, my life, you know, my life's going to be, I couldn't see myself yes. doing it for the rest yeah. of my life. It was like almost in 10 years, like, what am, you know. And so it was almost kind of, I've got to leave now before I get too comfortable mm. in this because I, I could have stayed in it, right? And it would have been yeah. lovely. But it wasn't it wasn't the work for me for the rest of my mm. life. And so I but I also left to start my own mm-hmm. business. And there was a moment of, oh, this is gonna be great. I'm gonna do this. And and I was going to a business unlike you that I knew nothing about, right? So I was starting from total scratch. So you sound like you had some connections or sense of network and, and 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 some expertise and skill in what you were doing i had none right i was just like oh i just had a, had a vision for what i wanted to do but no mm-hmm. experience or expertise um and i'd love to hear how it was for you but i i for me it was a it was a kind of weird experience of oh i can't possibly fail to this is never gonna work right and it would just sort of bounce between those two for the first six months of my God, I can't believe why everyone thinks this is difficult. Like, this is easy. Well, not easy, it's a bit strong, but like, I'm going to do this. Like, there's no doubt in my mind to, yeah, I, I probably should just stop now. There's just no, what was I even thinking? Like, there's no way this is possible. So how, yeah. So what 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 was your experience then? January, 2017, like, oh, what do I do now? So, so yeah. I really resonate with what you're saying. And, and I think probably for like the first three years of business, it was that like, 
what are we doing? Oh my God, this is amazing. What are we doing? And, and I think that that's really normal. I think when you start a new business, you've, you've really got to work to, to get to a point where you're at a level of expertise, of, of um, not expertise, you're, you're at a level of um, stability to be able to to relax into it. And, and I think for me, that probably did take about three or four years. <laughs> and it's only probably really within the last like, you know, year or so that I've I've felt like, oh yeah, okay, I, I know what we're doing, but but even within that, there's still those moments. And um, so yeah, woke up first of January 2017, and I I actually gave a, a talk about this, I think back in 2017 in in the summer, and it it kind of coincided with my decision to take part in this challenge that was run every day in January, which was you know, you you commit that that's all you're going to do. You're just going to get your running shoes on and you're going to run, whether it's five minutes or like two hours, you're, you're just going to run. So every day in January, I made sure that I set that time and I put my running shoes on and I went out and I run and I tracked all of my runs. And if you'd have said to me at the start of January, I want you to run two marathons this month, I'd have been like, uh, no what do you mean run two marathons this month? You're mad. But when I added up all of my mileage at the end of January, I had run the equivalent of two marathons. And so then that became my philosophy after literally a month of pretty much like panicking. That became my philosophy of like, well, at the start of January, all I could see was like doing 20 minutes, half an hour, an hour of, of exercise a day. But when I added it all up, it was actually an amazing achievement. So I just followed that. And I was like, you know what, in a kind of metaphorical sense, every day, I'm just going to get up and put one foot in front of the other and take the action that I feel like I need to take to make this business a success. And, you know, that was emailing all of my old contacts, emailing all of my old like bosses I still had relationships with, old clients that I developed really good relationships with and, you know, saying I'm freelance. Do you have any work? Do you know anyone that has any work? Can you put me in touch with people? And, and you know, I'd, I'd got like a buffer of like three months of, of money of like, well, if I don't get any work for three months, then I've, I've got this buffer. And in just making myself wake up and take a set of actions every day without worrying about what the outcome was going to be I never ever dipped that savings pot ever and within three or four months I had so much work I was having to outsource it to people within six months I'd met Sophie and said look if like literally if you came on board now we have enough work to sustain us with you bringing in the freelance clients that you've got we've got a business already. And so that's what we did. And we and we just, every day, it's just been putting one foot in front of the other and like, yes, navigating all of those feelings of like, I can't do this. We're mad. Why are we doing this? You know, this is amazing. I love this client. I hate this client. I love this work. I hate this work. That, that oscillation to, you know, first of all, settle ourselves into like running a business because I she'd never been fully freelance. I'd been freelance for six months. And then in the in the midst of, of that, we'd suddenly decided to set up a limited company, which is a whole different other set of, of rules and challenges and, and just 
stuff you've got to be aware of that that for me that's always been in my head of like just put one foot in front of the other like even if you're like crying and like while you're doing it like (laughs) you know (laughs) just take the action and trust and and that's really hard because there have been some really dark times like I really struggle with my mental health um a, a lot and I got a diagnosis of of ADHD about six months ago which has been overlooked my whole life and it's an explanation of why I struggle with so much of the day-to-day stuff but I have always like just got on with it and you know probably to my detriment sometimes you know I'll admit I'm not saying that was the best thing for my mental health I'm not saying it was the best way to go about it but it is what I did (laughs) yeah and there's a power in it, which mm. I think is what you're talking about around the discipline, mm. the continuity, the, I think, I think for me, at least listening, the, the kind of power of, in a way, how I feel about this doesn't really matter. What I need to do is stick to it. Like going for a run, like, oh, I don't really mm-hmm. feel like it, but I know that if I do, this actually is yeah. going to be helpful. Yeah. And then maybe there's some wisdom and self-care of around, oh, like, you know, how much do mm-hmm. I do or is this the right time or how can I do this? Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. Yeah. But, because clearly there is a point at which that that if we're forcing ourselves yes. beyond a certain point, it can become damaging yeah. and we can get into some bad yeah. habits and bad places and 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 so, massively. Um, and so yeah, so just feeling into how do I build a really good routine that I can mm-hmm. stick to? And I remember one of the earliest pieces of advice I got. This was, I think this was when I was at university. I was trying to set something up, and the, the person said, oh, I know this guy who's in a job, and he started this whole thing. And he just his, – his thing was, I'm going to do three things every mm-hmm. day on this new project, like just three mm-hmm. things, whether it's one phone call or one – you know. And at the time, I was like, what are you talking about? That doesn't sound like it's going to make much difference. But that the routine of it and the discipline of just the three smallest things you can mm-hmm. do, just day in, day out, yeah, created this tremendous result. Mm-hmm. Like exa- exactly what mm-hmm. you're saying, and I think there's a huge power in not getting overwhelmed. As you said, I'm on two marathons, I can never do that. Like, okay, we'll just take a step. What's the smallest step you can mm-hmm. take? And that continuity is is powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, I think it's really interesting as yeah. well. Like you said about feel into it, like. I, I only think in the last maybe two years, not even that, I've really fully understood what that means to actually feel into my body. And I think for so much of my life, I lived so much in my head that I never really paid attention to kind of what was going on from the neck down in terms of, you know, warning signs of like Mm. burnout. And, you know, there was a point where, and, and, you know, it, it actually started kind of mid 2020 I started to get like aches and pains and you know that that the doctors couldn't find any like cause for you know and it was just a culmination of of stress and so like starting to look into that and realizing that actually I I had been working myself way too hard I had not been giving myself enough time I had just been so focused on like future 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 like go 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 but I hadn't ever stopped and been like, well, how do I actually feel? And mm. and and I think that 
that that is, you know, it's not something I like regret. I don't necessarily have regrets, but I think I wish I'd known or I, I wish I'd had the tools sooner to be able to listen to my body and know that, you know, things like it's not just your stomach that tells you when you're hungry. It's like your headache. It's a feeling in your mouth. It's an energy thing. Like, you know, it's it's not you know it's an ache or a pain doesn't necessarily mean there's something wrong it's just where you're holding tension and like you've got to let go and you've you've got to relax and and I didn't I didn't have that awareness really I didn't really understand I remember someone a friend of mine like first mentioned like oh I've been doing all of this embodiment work and I was like what's embodiment and she's like just like being in your body and I was like what and then I realized that I've been doing yoga for years and in it and do in the yoga class was literally like, okay, I know this pose is coming next. So I need to like, do, do, like just never be like totally like missing the point of all of it. <laughs> you know, just always, always focus forward, focus forward, like never looking back to look at what I'd achieved, never appreciating being in the present moment. And all of that caught up on me and I just completely burnt out. And, you know, that wasn't good. <laughs> I had a really successful business, but like, I was wrecked. Yeah. Well, I, I'm going to say something that's going to sound a little bit odd, but in a way, here's the phrase anyway, which is our, our bodies are beautiful that way. And mm. that the signals will just get stronger, right? If we don't pay attention or we're not aware of mm. them, what, what choice does your body have? It's like, oh, well, let me give you a stronger yeah. signal that there's something that needs attention mm -hmm. and, and or could benefit from attention. Yeah. And and some of us need some strong yeah, signals, yeah. right, for whatever reason, either, either lack of awareness or we're so determined or we're so focused on one thing. It's like, oh, wow, you really meant it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then we, we're either forced to stop or we just like, okay, there's something here for me to pay yeah. attention to. Yeah. And, and I think as um, well, like that, that probably all ties in with like learning to harness my energy and not just go like, pow, and like spend it all at once and then have nothing left to like learn to kind of rein myself in a little bit and go at like a bit of a slower pace so that I'm not going in this like peaks and troughs of like burst of energy crash, burst of energy crash, like learning what my body's telling me about conserving my energy and just generally going a bit slower. <laughs> mm. So say a little bit more about that journey, because you were talking about for years, people have sort of, this is my language, given you some kind of negative, yeah. it's too much, too much, turn it down, or I can't cope with it, or it's overwhelming, mm -hmm. or you shouldn't be like that, or kind of, so, and that's, and so it's, a, it's beautiful and amazing to witness mm -hmm. that 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 part of you is still mm -hmm. there, right? It hasn't been squashed or kind of like, oh, right, I, I can't, you know, which is, I think is fantastic. Mm -hmm. Um so yeah, talk about then that that how did you make sense of that information coming towards you and uh, and adjust or not? So for for a long time, I really really took all of that stuff personally, you know, and it would be like I, I would cry in work meetings and I would get really angry and visibly upset at work. And I would just be told like, you can't do that here. That's not professional. That's not appropriate. You know, you, you know, you know, you're, you're too loud in the office. You're distracting people. You interrupt people at meetings. You know, you're, you're rude, you're disrespectful. You're, and, and I honestly could never see anything wrong 
with my behavior. And for a long, long time, I really internalized that of like, I have to be so careful and I have to make so much effort to censor everything that comes out of my mouth so I don't upset people. You know, if I'm feeling an emotion, I have to hide it. I have to suppress it until I get home. You know, I, I have to just be quiet and not talk to people. And and like that, that was torturous, but that was most of my working life because on any occasion where I didn't do it, I felt like I got told off or reprimanded or and and that would then upset me so much more because it felt like having an attack on my personality and and something that I didn't feel like I had the power to change. And then, you know, to an extent, I then, you know, around like 2016 time, I started kind of, you know, getting into, I guess, the world of like self-development and, you know, understanding concepts like, you know, we, you can put a pause in between your thoughts and actions. And, you know, everyone goes around making up stories about people based on perceptions, which are not true. And, just because someone perceives you as something doesn't mean it's true. And you have a choice about how to react, how to, you know, do that. And and that was pretty revolutionary for me. And so I learned even more kind of communication tools that I could, you know, take on board to, to modify that. And, and I think that that made me feel stronger emotionally because I did feel like I had a toolkit and I did feel like, I finally had the perspective that other people go around perceiving things differently to me, which I genuinely didn't, you know, have any kind of concept of. And, and so that, mm. that was the first chain. So, so then a couple of years after I, I got into the, the personal development stuff, I, I started dating someone who um, had had a late stage autism diagnosis. And after we'd been together for about three months, they said to me, I think you're autistic. And and I was like, well, I'm not autistic. I've got I've got loads of autistic friends, and I get on really well with with autistic people. But I I don't think that's me. And and they sort of said to me, well, you respond to this in this situation. I've noticed you doing this, and like listed off a load of symptoms. And so then I started looking into neurodiversity, and then a lot of my friends in their thirties and forties started to get diagnosis for ADHD. And then at least three of them contacted me and just said, Alice, like, I really think you need to look into this. Um, and so I did. And weirdly, my mum had like kept loads of my old school reports and I and I looked through them and they were all like, Alice is an incredible student. You know, she's very, very, she's very bright. She gets straight A's. She is like gifted child learns things very quickly absorbs new information very quickly but oh my god she's so disruptive in class she's always trying to talk to people she's you know really really impulsive she like acts before she thinks she won't sit still she's always interrupting she you know or you know she she likes to do things her way she gets very frustrated when people don't do things the way she wants all through school all through school yeah. And I was like, how the hell was this missed? And it's like, because academically, I was great. Like, 
it, it's yeah. like no one really thought to dig beneath the surface and 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 you know so th- throughout my life since I was a teenager you know I was first diagnosed with depression when I was like 13 or 14 um you know I had a, an eating disorder I then you know had issues with you know anxiety disorders OCD like symptoms throughout my 20s and 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 then again had an you know had had a nervous breakdown in my early 20s had another one like 2 years ago and and had to take time off work off my own business because i just couldn't and then all of that led into getting an adhd diagnosis and learning about neurodiversity and all of this stuff like difficulty regulating the volume of my voice difficulty regulating the speed of my speech inability to understand people's emotions and points of view trouble with empathy you know frustration at things not being done a certain way needing things to be done a certain way so that you know they zoning out in conversation forgetting things like all of that stuff was like oh my god that is what has been going on for me my whole life all of this stuff has been undiagnosed neurodiversity where I have not had the support, understanding, tools, treatment to be able to manage it in in a world that really isn't built for the way my brain wants to work. And and so I I started medication in January and it has been absolutely life-changing in terms of my mood, energy levels, sleep, ability to regulate myself. Like it 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 has just been such a such an important turning point for me um, in in terms of my mental health and in terms of my professional capacity and just wondering why I'm coming up against the same blockers again and again and again and same issues going around in circles again and again and again finally being able to see a way through that because someone just happened to spot it and like and and plant the seed for me wow Mm. kind of so so much to sort of yeah feel into and i want to ask so a thank you for sharing all of that and it's it's powerful and i know many people will be kind of resonating with that that sense of somehow i'm not fitting i'm doing my best when i'm most me it seems to be most like I get a lot of pushback. Mm-hmm. Of course, that's upsetting and and creates all sorts of internal doubt and 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 so you know a lot of things you said kind of end up connected together, yeah. like the anxiety. At least, at least as I hear it, anyway, kind of the anxiety and 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 and. So, so, and I think talking about this is really to me it's one of those positive developments from let's say twenty years ago when. I don't think people did talk about it or it was kind of like, oh, should I talk about it? Or it's not professional to talk about it, right? All mm-hmm. that stuff, which is just rubbish. At least I, from my perspective, it's just rubbish. And, and I think it's 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 so in the water that we're swimming in, mm-hmm. in work. You know, I've done a lot of, you know, I've been doing a lot of work with, with young people who've been unemployed this last year and the degree of diagnosed anxiety and, 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 is is really huge mm-hmm. and part of me is is 
sort of my take on it is there's just a lot maybe to be anxious about mm-hmm. <laughs> you know yeah. it's like that it's a valid response to how the world is like it's like yeah and we can learn to be more resourceful and it's not the end of the story but like validating yeah yeah i can understand like if you haven't got a job and you've been out of work for a year or two yeah. and you've just been through a pandemic and you haven't seen anyone and you're feeling like yeah i mean being anxious would be a quite a quite a normal response mm-hmm. and and it doesn't have to be the end of the story yeah. like as you say there's tools and support and so what I'm curious about and want to ask, I think, is because you talk very powerfully about like when you were you, people found it too much, mm. like when you felt like you were being mm-hmm. you. So how does it feel now in terms of that sense of, because you talked about, I'm going to use the word moderating, mm. channeling. I don't want to put words in your mouth. Like as I experience you, it feels like I'm getting you so it doesn't feel like you've lost that, yeah. and at the same time, it doesn't feel like it's a unleashed kind of un, yeah. un untethered you. So I'm, I'm, yeah, I don't know. Like I'd love to hear more how you how does how do you experience? Yeah, that? and and I think it you know similar to the like regulating my own energy and not expending it all when I have it. Uh, you know, I I think it's you know the, I mean the the pressure cooker analogy is so often used, but you know if if it's like you are keeping a seal on who you are for so much of your life that then you, you know, you get home and it just like comes out. And, and I think, you know, that, that was the source of, I think so many problems in like past relationships where I'd had a day at work where I was just masking and then I would get home and be so tired and emotionally dysregulated that I would just take that out on my, you know, on my partner, on on friends, on roommates, like whoever was in that space. I just would kind of unleash all of the like emotion the minute I got in the door. And, and you know, that wasn't helpful to anyone. It wasn't helpful to me because it, you know, it was it it was a really really horrible experience for for me and for whoever was on the receiving end of that. And and so I think a big part of it is like now that I've not got the pressure cooker on on who I am, I can be more authentically myself. And and I think being able to be open now about the fact that I'm neurodiverse does modify people's expectations of me to a point where I feel more comfortable being myself because I can say, you know what, I'm I'm gonna forget your name. Like if if I don't write this down right now, I'm I'm gonna forget it. Or you know, I I have to be looking at this on my screen while I'm talking to you. Otherwise, I'm not going to absorb any of the information that you're telling me. You know, or you know, I, I have to turn my camera off because I'm too distracted. Or you know, I I will talk very very fast and very very loud because I'm feeling very excited at the moment. Um, you know, is 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 really important. And and I think as well, you know, I. A big thing for me is like struggle. Like I do really struggle with with empathy for people, and you know, I, I, you know, I, I that is a neurodiverse thing. I, I can't really explain it, but you know, often I will respond in situations in a way that people would not necessarily expect me to respond, and then that is then interpreted as being wrong and 
causes issues and causes fallouts. And whereas now that I can kind of say, look, I don't really know how to respond in this situation and and this is what's going on for me, just feels like it, it feels so much easier for me to be able to you know, to, to not have to be thinking on the spot, like I have to decide what to do now. I have to decide what to do now. And it, and it might be the wrong thing. It's like, I can buy myself time to process. Um, and mm. luckily I've got an incredibly understanding partner, business partner, friends, you know, employees, team around me who, who get it and get that I might react in a way that they don't expect to certain things, but you know, that's that's just the way it is and <laughs> you know I I can't be something that I'm not mm. so, so it sounds like listening to you you you've you are you've either got or you are really literate about yeah describing what's happening for you in a very relaxed way and and sort of expressing what you need mm-hmm. You know, setting the context for people, and they want to get it. They want to get it. If they don't, they don't have to. But like, it's it's that makes it very easy, yeah. and beautiful to engage with with anyone. Actually, I mean, like, if we were all better at that, mm. it would be it'd be. Re- I, I think it would be really helpful. Whatever our start yeah. point, like the more literate we could get, like, you know what, I'm tired today. Like, mm-hmm. I'm so you know, or or whatever it is that's going on for us. The more we can articulate mm-hmm. and talk about uh, that. To me, that's really at the heart of great communication, great relationship. Yeah. And it makes it so easy to work with someone or to know, like, oh, we're not a fit. Like, I need mm-hmm. this. You need that. Let's not do this, right? Because it's just going to be painful yeah. for both of us all the way along. Yeah, absolutely. And Or at the moment, like, that's where we're at. Maybe another time. And then it just becomes so easy mm-hmm. to be to be real with yeah. each other. Um, so I think it's it's – I experience it. It's such a beautiful – gift to be that free and and naming of hey here's what's going on for me and what I need and and mm. I think it creates the opportunity and and well it's a role role modeling and creates the opportunity for other people to also express mm. oh it's okay to say that well look actually here's what's here's what I need in this yeah. or oh my gosh thank goodness you said that I'm feeling the same way yeah. too or, or or so and and I think yeah huge. And I think every time I've been scared about saying something in public, you know, should I share this? Should I put this on social media? I've had like at least one or two messages from people just being like, "Oh my god, thank you so much for sharing that." And it's like, well, whatever anyone else thinks, like that's that's why it matters. And and you know, it is it is a lot of work, and it's a long like journey for want of a better word to be able to develop that vocabulary. And to be able to, to look at yeah. yourself and understand what's happening. Because I think my issue for so long is that I felt so overwhelmed by my thoughts and my emotions. There was no way I was ever going to be able to articulate to someone what I needed or ask for what I needed because I didn't know. All I knew is that I either felt good or I felt bad. And I didn't know how to make myself feel good again when I felt bad. And I didn't know why I felt bad or what the signals were that I felt bad. I just knew I felt bad and that was bad and I didn't like it. Or I felt good and that was great and I did like it. But I didn't, I, I, I couldn't like join the dots of what it was 
that made me feel mm. feel like that and and then you know really kind of looking into you know all of this like self-development stuff you know neurodiversity neuroplasticity trauma and how that shapes our experiences and you know embodiment and like the you know the gut brain and the heart brain and the signals your body can send you and you know even down to stuff like intuitive and mindful eating you know looking into all of this stuff that has just helped me tune in to my needs and and you know and and communication styles like nonviolent communication where you're expressing your needs before anything else is you know is is something that that really takes a lot of work to get into you know to to be able to to disentangle that and you know and that's been through reading books and doing group development programs and paying for sessions with therapists and coaches and counsellors and you know, to, to get to that point where I have that vocabulary. And I've been really privileged in that I've had access, you know, to, to the money. Like I've been financially able to invest that in myself and I, and I know how much, of a, how much of a privilege that is. But I think that's why for people like me, for people like Sophie, my business partner, who has talked very openly and, and bravely about her, you know, issues with alcohol addiction and substance abuse. I think for those of us that have done that work, it is really important that we go out and we have these conversations and we put them freely out there into the world to to bring this kind of stuff into mainstream conversation, to bring it into the consciousness of people who might not have had access to these sorts of, of conversations before. And, and that's why now that I'm armed with all this knowledge about ADHD in women, and, um, you know, I, I want to go and I want to talk on every platform available to me about it and about my experience and, and about, you know, you're not broken, you're not, there's nothing wrong with you. Your brain just doesn't work the way that most people's brains work. And and here's how you can help yourself. You know, I'm I'm an ambassador for Beat for the eating disorder charity, and I go out and I speak in schools and to health professionals about my eating disorder. That's really important work. You know, myself and um, a, a local illustrator in Sussex, Phoebe Kirk, we have created a series of children's books which are all around mental health and diversity and disability. And, you know, I, I wrote those books before I knew that, like, I was gender fluid, before I was out to everyone as being bi, before I was platforming, you know, giving, you know, seeking these platforms to talk about mental health, before I knew about my neurodiversity, I wrote those stories for, for young kids because I didn't want kids to feel that sense of being so different from everyone else. And, and so for me, that has, you know, I think as as long as I have had my own platform and knowledge to be able to talk about these things, I have gone out and, and talked about them because at the heart of it is I don't want any, you know, queer neurodiverse kid to feel the way that I felt through my teens and my twenties because it was horrible. Mm. So I feel my heart opening as I hear you talk about that. Right, it's so so powerful. And and so I've got another question okay. for you, which is it's a genuine, it's a genuinely like something I'm an inquiry around. 
you talked about your relationship to empathy. Mm. Right. And and I, I'm gonna misquote you like <laughs> not feeling empathetic, mm. right? <clears throat> so like which I which I get. And in another way, I feel like what you just described, like is deep empathy. Mm. Like I, I feel this way. I don't want anyone else to feel like this. I know how how, how kind of I use the word awful, but like it's a, that's an oh, intense experience, yeah. right? Of feeling dislocated, not part of something, mm-hmm. and who do I go to, and am I okay? And and no one seems to want me, and I, you know, how do you how do you join those two up, or how do you what language would you describe? If it's not empathy, what 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 is that that feeling? So this this is something that I've only started looking into <clears throat> into recently after having some conversations with people. But so for me, it's it's more around anything I have felt or experienced, I can like feel so deeply in someone else if I have gone through it, and I feel like I understand and have context for the emotion. But then if someone is going through a really difficult time that I don't have any personal context for, it's like I just can't, I can't understand. I can't put myself in that position. So like an example is like lots of my friends who are who are mothers. Like when they're really upset about like things to do with their kids or, you know, like I'm just like... I I don't understand. Like I don't, I don't, I, I don't genuinely don't understand. And, and I can feel myself getting really impatient of like, I don't understand why this is such an issue for you. Like, why don't you just blah, 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 blah. And it's like, that comes out of my mouth before I, you know, I, I, I can even think of like, I don't, you know, I've got a friend at the moment who's like going through fertility treatment and it's really agonizing for her. And, and I, you know, I really want to be there for her as a friend. But then I'm like, well, I've never wanted kids. I don't, I've never had a desire to be pregnant. I don't, I don't understand why, like, and my brain is going like, why doesn't she just adopt? Like, why doesn't she just embrace her life as being like single? And for, like, like why, why, I don't understand why she's, and, and I'm trying to be sympathetic, but because it's something I genuinely can't access, it's like, it feels awful, but it's like I can't even. Mm. I I don't I don't know what to say. I don't I can't get there. Whereas when I hear like, you know, young people talk about like struggling to come out in their teens or being bullied for you know, you know, for for being queer or or different, it's like I physically can feel their pain inside of me because I've been there and and it's like I just can't like I I really really struggle and and now I now I know that it's because oh my way of perceiving and seeing the world and the things that are important to me are different to other people's way of perceiving the world and the things that are important to them and I think it's you know it's taken me a really long time to to be like you know look this this is just different they're they're really like hurting and it doesn't matter what they're you know what they're hurting for you've you've just got to be there for them and that's a continual exercise for me and sometimes I do just say the wrong thing and I will so often like brush off conversations when people are upset because I won't read the signs in their face or in their body and will kind of just be like 
well, I don't know, I don't like, why don't you, why don't you just do this? Or like, what? I don't understand why you're being so upset. And it's like, that's what I have to catch myself on of just being like, mm. I, you know, I, I can see you're so upset and I can see this matters to you so much. And I'm really sorry that you're in pain is a response I've had to learn, really learn and really check myself because I have upset so many of my friends through my responses to them. And, and I, and I, you know, I don't know if that's neurodiversity. I don't know if that's a problem with like a part of my brain, but like, you know, it's things like being fired. I'm like, why well, I was fired, I just go and get another job. I don't, I don't see why that would be like, you know, upsetting to someone, <laughs> you know, yeah. and and, it, and it's that kind of thing of being like, look, just because it's not upsetting to you doesn't mean it's not upsetting to someone else just because it doesn't matter to you doesn't mean it doesn't deeply deeply matter to someone else and it's and for me it's been like oh if you access if you try and access like an equivalent emotion for you and apply it to the situation that's a way of building empathy but that is not something that comes naturally to me at all that is a conscious decision every time Mm. So, so I'd love to share something, which is a, I guess a, ref, a, a reflection or a, or a, I guess, I guess thoughts I've had about how to join those up. Mm. So, so, so see, see what you think of this. Like, so I'm, I'm like one, one way I sort of reflect on my development is, and you talked about, Right, we're all making up stories about reality, mm -hmm. right? In our brains, like our perceptions of how things are is not how they they are. Mm -hmm. right? They're just our perceptions mm -hmm. and projections, and and and. So, in a way, what I think about a situation or what I, what I feel about someone else's situation is irrelevant, mm -hmm. right? And there's a lovely phrase, and I do some work in neuroscience that no two brains are alike, mm -hmm. right? So, so it's, it's not saying there's not neurodiversity, but like every brain is different, mm. and what I think about it. Well, what I feel about a situation is irrelevant because that person's having their own experience. Mm. And so for me, that's been a great freedom of whether I get it, whether I don't get it, whether that's because of my upbringing, whether it's because of how my brain's working, just like how can I be as fully present and attend to what is going on for you? Mm -hmm. Irrespective of what I actually, what my instinctive yeah. reaction is or what I actually, or the thought that comes up, just to be able to hold that so lightly just know it doesn't mean really, it's not about me. Yeah. Like, how are you? I want to be here in service of you. What do you really mm. need? And then it becomes irrelevant what I actually feel. Mm. And guess what? The other person feels like attended to and like, oh wow, it's so lovely to talk to you. Yeah. And so that's for me has been a way through situations that I've just been out of my depth in, or my brain's just gone like I don't get this, mm -hmm. or maybe similar reaction. Like yeah. I can be hyperlogical sometimes. Yeah. And that's, you know, or, or, and that's, you know, people are like, oh, you just don't, you know, don't, you don't get it. Like, no, I don't. Like, yeah. well, I don't, you know, all that kind of the similar, similar story. Like, just think, oh, I don't need any of that at this moment. Mm -hmm. Like, let me first be here. Mm -hmm. Just be. Yeah. How does that play out for yeah, you? Yeah, completely. And and I, you know, I, I resonate with the hyperlogical because, you know, my my first response to someone in pain is 
how do I fix this? How do they want, like, why are they telling me this? They're clearly telling me this because they want a solution. So how do we find the solution? And and I think that has, you know, that that for me has been a real like thing to flip and be like, no one is coming to you for solutions unless they mm. say, I, I want a solution. So, you know, I, it's really trying to like, uh, like even ask the question of like, do you want to be heard or do you want to work through a solution together? As a as a yeah. as a real practice, because my when someone confides in me with something difficult and I can see they're visibly emotional, it's almost like my brain starts to scrabble for like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, like I'm in panic. What is the right thing to say? I feel my heart rate elevate. I feel like, what do they need from me? What do they want me to say? What do they want me to do? And and my because my brain's just scrabbling, I inevitably say the wrong thing, and then it ends up in an yeah. argument, and then I get more anxious and more panicked. <laughs> And and that has been like the experience of most emotionally charged conversations for me for for most of my life yeah. is just this sense of total panic of what do they want me to do and how do I avoid saying the wrong thing instead yeah. of going to, well, just yeah. say nothing, <laughs> like just tell them Ooh. you hear them. And like that, and, yeah. and that is a conscious, like, have to really stop myself from from entering this complete emotional panic yeah because one story might be or one version of or frame would be why else would you be telling me this unless you wanted me to do something about it yeah. like that would be the only you know like that's a that's a frame right it's a legitimate yeah. frame of, of thinking about yeah. well but you know you've just rung me like clearly there's something yeah. to do here yeah. versus you know i've got a i've got kids and like they fall over and hurt themselves, 90% of the time, it's just like, oh, yeah, that's yeah, you've, that's a scrape. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And a minute later, it's like they're, they're, they're off and running again. Like there's actually nothing. Just just like let me witness and know, yeah, oh, gosh. Yeah, oof, yeah that's a big one. Yeah. That's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And you know, what you were saying, really listening for what is the request here? Mm. Like what is, what is wanted? And, and just being, for me, just staying in yeah. that inqu inquiry, even if it's, I mean, it could be explicitly asked or it could just be, I'm just going to listen through that lens of what are you really wanting mm -hmm. here? Mm -hmm. And let me just listen. Yeah. Like, and just have that as 90% of my focus. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that, you know, that, this is all currently my own journey, you know, because, you know, a, a couple of years ago like we had a situation where this just completely like blew up in our face from the business from a partnership we were working on because of that breakdown in communication and that not listening and not hearing what the person wanted and that was deeply deeply painful so for the last couple of years this has really been where I've been looking and where I've been inquiring of like how do I work in my communication to find a way to access empathy to hold a space instead of jumping in to to rein myself back from like jumping in solutions because I, I think so much of my identity my personal identity is I'm a problem solver and I get shit done and I make things better for people and like that is what I do and and it's really really hard to not 
bring that into friendships as well when you know it's that's great for a business sense because literally people are paying me to come to me with a problem and say fix it which I do and I'm good at but that's not the case in in friendships and in relationships all the time and that's been that's been a massive learning for me over the the last couple of years is that jumping in and bulldozing with what you think is the right thing to do without any communication is never going to end well <laughs> ever well i'm going to i'm going to make a, a claim which is even in the business side mm. building that skill and quality can also be yeah transformation in terms of the level of relationship right because often we get a request is like the real request does a piece of person feel really safe to tell you what the issue mm -hmm. is you know like so really even even being able to be less overt in and and you know i, I remember I'm, I'm saying that i remember a coaching conversation i had with someone and, and i'd actually come off a meditation retreat and I don't think I said a word in the whole conversation, mm. like conversation, like they were talking mm. and they said to me afterwards, like, Darius, this is the best session we've had. And I was really, my identity was really, I was like, I haven't said anything. Like, I've got all these good questions. I've got all these perspectives. Like I've got, like I, and I was so committed to, the, to it being good. I was like, well, I couldn't deny that. Like, okay. That, they just said that was the best. Okay. So I was really attentive, really like I was really in a space of listening. But like, what about me? Like, I, I, I'm supposed to do something here. Like, if you're paying me, like, how, what are you going to pay me just to sit quietly and listen? Like, so it's such a big shift for me and yeah. confronting to get really spacious with, oh, I don't actually need to say anything mm. necessarily. Maybe at some point I will. Yeah. But and for someone with not, ADHD, not, that's really hard <laughs> to, to be like, I don't have to say anything. <laughs> But that's what I do. I say stuff all the time at great speed and great yeah. volume. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so how's this? How we're kind of at time. How's this conversation been? For oh, you? it's been wonderful. It's been wonderful. Thank you for you know giving me the space to talk about like all of this stuff because like like I said, it's so important to me personally that that people hear these messages and say, you know what, you can overcome all of these, you know, obstacles and you can still be running a successful business. You can, you know, you there there is a, a way, you know, you can be a, a queer neurodiverse woman operating in the business world, running a business and using your strengths to make an impact across businesses that don't have people that think the way you do. Like that, that to me is, is, is such an important, important message. And, and, you know, to, to kind of access, you know, other organizations and other business people to say, you know, em embrace diversity within your teams and make the accommodations for people who, who don't necessarily work in the way that everyone else in your organization works, because that can be an incredible strength and you know it, it it can introduce new ways of of thinking even though it's gonna take a, possibly a bit more work and an adjustment from from you it you know it's 
it's it's really important that I think more people feel able to be their full selves in their professional lives and have that be accepted and have that be okay and not be told that they need to change or tone it down or or do things differently because then they're going to be happier, do better work, build better relationships, have more confidence, put themselves out there more and and you know that's that's only ever going to be a good thing for the world. So yeah, I think raising raising awareness of of all of that and and talking so openly about my journey is it's something that really matters and I'm I'm really grateful for for the opportunity to to have this conversation. Mm, I think it's a real gift and I think it's you know as I hear it there's like two sides there's the like if we don't talk about this stuff and we don't find ways of I don't know what the right word is of of Just feeling into it, connecting to it, facing into the reality. Like the cost to individuals is huge, mm-hmm. right? If you're living, masking and carrying, and that's a huge individual cost, right? So on the one hand, there's cost, like to the individual, and that's going to show up to some degree mm-hmm. in their work, maybe to a big degree, mm-hmm. or they're not be able to keep the job or whatever it might mm-hmm. be. And on the other, there's this huge upside of like, wow, if we can get someone releasing their energy and ideas and perspectives particularly if they're coming from a different angle and they can see things a different way, you know, that's so much needed mm-hmm. and there's so much potential value there. So there's a kind of, to me, a human side of the cost and a huge opportunity to be able to tap into and, and work well with people mm-hmm. who've coming with a different set of start points yeah. and, and got, got different things to add or need different things to be able to function well. And, and, the more we can have those conversations actually with everyone mm-hmm. to me the to me the better so i think it's i think it's yeah it's inspiring and i also get this sense which i think is i think is i don't know i think is important i like for me this is what i'm one of the things i'm taking away from our conversation is is the the opportunity we all have to learn and grow and develop and understand okay well okay i've got this bundle of me mm-hmm. and then there's the world how do I navigate that, right? And it would be lovely if, they, in a way, like maybe a naive part of me is like, well, what if I just didn't even have to think about any of that? I could just be me and like however I am is, you know, like yeah. I don't even have to think about. And yet the power and opportunity to be reflective and to notice and go, okay, well, what am I intending here? And given who I am, I don't want to lose the core of that, but like given my intention, given who I am, my makeup, how can I use that in a really good way, more resourceful way, helpful way, given what I want to achieve and given who I am. And I think I think that what you talk about and I think embody so powerfully is that journey of learning and growing and reflecting and, you know, this is I experience you having the core of you right there and being able to go, hmm, okay, well, what would be a way of doing yeah. that in this way that's not yeah. too painful or too heavy and is mindful of, yeah. okay, well, this – you know, given what I want to achieve, like yeah. this could be a helpful way of doing it in this way. Or at least let me just talk about, hey, you know what? This is the space I'm in today, so know it. Yeah. Right? That's really a, that's a, that's yeah. a huge gift. Yeah. So I, you know, I think I think there's so much to take from. from oh, that. thank you. And and I think there's a big there's a big difference between an attitude of like, well, this is me and this is who I am. So like, you can like it or lump it, which I, you know is really aggressive, and and that that that's a totally different attitude to look like this is me this is who I am this is what I struggle with 
and this is how I'm going to mess up every now and again. And and I'm really working on it. But like, just please have some patience that this stuff doesn't come naturally to me. And I'm really trying because my relationships really matter to me, you know, and, and that's a totally different attitude. But it, it's the same kind of like, you know, if you're continually pushing back against who I am and requiring me to be different, then this is not going to work. I'm not the person for you. Yeah. But at the same time, I want you to be able to tell me when my behavior is having an impact on you so that I can have that space for reflection rather than just letting resentment build and then just being like, well, you always do this. So I don't want to talk to you anymore. You know, it's it's that Mm. it, it all comes down to that communication, to that reflectiveness, to that space, to that understanding that people are different to you. Hmm. One of as a final kind of closing, I guess, one of the habits that I've built in is also like a check in of well, how how is this? Like, what feedback have you got for me? Like, you know, what am I? What am I? What's good for me to learn or know mm-hmm. about how this experience has been for you? Mm-hmm. So, I'm going to ask you that. Like, any feedback for me? Any? Yeah, how's the experience been? Um, I think it's been lovely. I think you create a space for such an easy conversation um, that I've felt really comfortable to share all of this stuff. And yeah, I'm like I said, I'm just I'm so grateful for for this space to to be able to have conversations like this which which really matter to me hmm well like i'm i'm yeah full of gratitude to you and and thank you for being you and thank you for being you that's a lovely way to end a conversation thank you for being you Mm. Mm. (laughs) wonderful thank you so much thank you So, yeah, hugely grateful to Alice for taking not just the time, but like it being so important to her to share her experience being on a mission. I think it's so needed in the world, so inspiring to hear someone speaking so openly, fully. And I know, just reflecting on my own experience of some things I've been through that I've been reticent and kind of like, oh, should I talk about that? Or is that okay? And, and, I think, you know, the, the the stigma or perceived stigma of like, oh, I shouldn't or it's not okay. And I think it's so powerful to have people who want to make a stand for it and, and show up and say, hey, here's me, not perfect, not finished. And you know what? I'm making my way in the world. I'm doing good work. It's being really valued. I can I can do great things. And sometimes it's a struggle. And here's, yeah, here's what's going on for me. So I'm hoping if you've listened to this and, and you've yeah, felt somehow, oh, yeah, taken a breath or eased or relaxed, oh, my gosh, yeah, I can, yeah, that's me. Like, that's what the purpose of this is, these conversations, is, is really to have a little bit more ease in the world. So I'm hoping that if that's you, that, that, that you feel that you're able to breathe a little more easily or take a deeper breath and and yeah show up more as you Mm -hmm.